the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Situation Report today. This is the show where we give you the information you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stonlicker. I am your host here with Chad Robichaux. And we have a show today that is really breaking news. We don't often do this uh, because of our production schedule. So as you're listening to this, understand that you are probably listening two days after this recording was made. And I only say that as I introduce the topic so that you know where we're coming from. This is an evolving case. We're talking about Kyle Rittenhouse in Kenosha, Wisconsin. We're going to discuss what this case is about and all that has unfolded to bring us to where we are today. But as we have this conversation right now, we are awaiting the jury to produce a verdict, and that may happen any um, any hour now. We look down the next couple of hours. It may come out today, uh, perhaps tomorrow. But as we come to the airing of this episode, you may be hearing it after the verdict has come out. So what we tried to do today was spend a little bit of time uh, explaining the case, where it came from, why it ended up where it is, some of the key moments of uh, the trial and all that's happened around that leading up to, of course, where we're waiting for the verdict. So I hope this is helpful to you. Certainly it's helpful to me. One of the folks who has been very focused on this is uh, who we have on as our special guest today and glad that we could have him with us. Um, We have been trying to schedule this for the last couple of days as we've been waiting to see what's going to happen. We decided to go ahead and uh, jump on it today. Our guest is Jack Posobiec. He is a former naval officer, and as a former Marine Corps officer, uh, I'm going to struggle through this, but it's going to be okay. I'm talking to a naval officer, um, Chad, also in the Marine Corps, but we're going to do our best. Uh, senior editor at Human Events, author of children's book, Island of Free Ice Cream, uh, which is awesome. And, and maybe we'll just have you back on at some point just to talk about that book and, and what that means. Um, but today we're going to jump into uh, really, uh, Jack, what you've spent a lot of time on this week, the Kyle Rittenhouse case. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on uh, kind of last minute to, to give us updates and help us work through this. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I, I appreciate you guys having on. You know, as you know, of course, whenever a Navy officer walks into a Marine Corps area, the IQ right. just you know set goes through the roof. The average. Sure. Uh, so, sure. No, fortunately, I hope your listeners will be able to to cope with the the right. difference on this episode. Compared well, to that's the why we brought you on because we needed someone with uh, the background to actually make sense of what's happening. We we actually, would just get in there and start swinging. Right, but, but I you did, have just some... so you know, just so you guys know, if you did get hungry, I have a couple extra packs of crayons that I can pass out. To everyone, so we're all good. <laughs> all right, well, so we're all on the same page. That's great. Okay, very good. Marine Corps birthday, so I'm, I'm full of crayons right now. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I'm pooping right, rainbows for a week. Uh, awesome. <laughs> Uh, so let's jump into it. Um, let's just start right at the beginning. What has the trial actually been about? Maybe you can give us an overview. I think a lot of people are paying attention, and then there right. are some people who aren't. So give us an overview of what's happening. So you got this situation out in Kenosha, Wisconsin, where, you know, I think people have seen the headlines on this, but I don't really think people know because it's been so long and that whole summer of 2020, yeah. 
uh, I call it the summer of rage of 2020, that right. we saw burnings and cities and cars flipped over. And I think people kind of forget because it's been so long. And, you know, it's cliche to say this, but the mainstream media has completely covered this up. They just stopped right. talking about it. They were covering it up during the riots, too, by the way. You know, remember, mostly yep. peaceful protests yep. while there's fires going on behind them. Um, this was <laughs> one of those ubiquitous situations in 2020. Um, and it, it took place in the city of Kenosha, which is you know, not a very big city. It's a small town on the lake, uh, the shores of Lake Michigan up there in Kenosha, just over the line from about 45 minutes from Chicago and uh, and then 45 minutes down from Milwaukee. So right in between there, one of those lake towns. And you had the third night of this where these these rioters have been coming up from Chicago, a lot of them and burning this town. The governor Evers had been saying, making noise that he was going to bring in the National Guard, mm -hmm. that he was going to provide security. It never happened and it continued right. to not happen. So the police force was completely overwhelmed. And then so eventually some people started getting asked by businesses, uh, particularly this one, it was a car dealership that had been hit a couple of nights and the videos that have come out from that. I think everybody remembers if you've seen them, you can't you can't unsee these images of just these hundreds of cars on fire. Yeah. And uh, and of course, with the you know, the sign in front says actually says Black Lives Matter with the mm. cars you know, completely being torched underneath. So that car business eventually reached out to a few people, some former employees, some people they knew and said, hey, can you get some guys together and try to watch this thing overnight? Because for us, our whole inventory is there in the lot. Our whole, that's that's all our investment is right there. That's all our capital funds. And so, you know, we lose those. Yeah, the insurance, you know, pays something, but then your rates go up, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, obviously you don't want that to happen. So Kyle Rittenhouse ends up being one of the people that was involved in protecting this auto lot, this car dealership. Uh, and during that point, as he was trying to put out one of the fires with a fire extinguisher, the mob essentially sees him, latches onto him, and they come for him. And yeah. they come for him hard. And he took steps to defend himself with his AR-15 that he was equipped with. And what's amazing to this that you don't usually get to see in a lot of these self-defense cases. So if you, you know, people remember back to George Zimmerman uh, with Zimmerman, it's, you got the autopsy, you've got witness statements, you've got all of this, you know, evidence out there, but what you don't have are the videos, right? right so that's just right. eight years ago with Zimmerman. Now here we are eight years later. The amazing thing about this is that you really, it really shows how far we've come as a society in eight years, because almost every single moment of that night, Hmm. is on some form of video, whether it's somebody's body cam or a Facebook Live or a cell phone, independent journalist, citizen journalist. And later we found out that the FBI actually had a bird up that night and they were flying aerial surveillance with a plane. Plus, somebody else had a drone, which a lot of people think may have also been some type of federal uh, operation going on there. You know, how do you get a drone up when there's an F FAA uh, uh you know, an FAA clearance has been put up. How did you yeah. get the FAA clearance, right? And so there's all of this footage to the point where we can all see, right, with very clear eyes, just looking at this inherently. This is a kid who was being chased down by an angry, murderous mob. But unfortunately, because of the times we live in, you've got a you've got a media and you've got a political establishment in this country that has to turn everything on its head and yeah. it's going to put everything right. through their filter and through the filter of, well, hold on a second. 
those weren't mobs. That was a peaceful protest. So this kid, (laughs) he must have either provoked it or he was asking for it. They weren't being violent. He Mm. was being violent. And that is why we've been in this situation. That's the only reason that he was put on trial in the first place, because anybody and I'm not talking, you know, military guy, you know, gun guy, any of that stuff. You can look at this video. You can show I could I showed it to my wife. Right. You know, and she said, well, clearly they were going to kill him. Yep. They're clearly trying to kill him, right? Yeah, and you could see multiple times people in this crowd. Uh, one guy comes at him, tries to go for his gun. Another guy bashes him over the head with a skateboard, which uh, obviously I think anyone knows a skateboard is it's essentially a two by four with you know ball bearings and, okay. and some steel yeah. implements on it. Yeah, and then you've got another at the end, a guy actually comes up to him with a drawn, loaded Glock right. forty caliber in his hand and points it at his head. So. Had he not taken those, I always point it out this way. I say, people say, did he act in self-defense? I say, he saved his life that night. That weapons platform that he had on him, that AR-15, it saved his life. And if he didn't have that, he wouldn't be here today. Yeah. I mean, I think the questions are, was he legally, legally, and I don't even know if it it would matter or not if you're legally in possession of it. But in fact, I guess it would matter if you were legally or illegally in possession of it to save your life. But the fact is, he was legally in possession of that gun. Right. So um, this actually came up in um, the the sort of classic case, New York City, that subway with uh, Bernie Gates. And in the Bernie Gates case, he it actually was an illegal gun. And that was something that he did have to um, that he did get convicted on. But even if you were carrying for so in this, I've been doing I'm not a lawyer, but I've been talking to a lot of lawyers during all of this. So just a you know, disclaimer. But um, if someone is trying to kill you, and you don't you have in your you know possession a weapon that maybe you didn't have the legal purpose or the legal wherewithal to to have that weapon you are still able to defend yourself right you don't lose the right of self-defense um and then there was a gun charge placed on him originally but it turns out the wisconsin now this wasn't his gun it was his friend's gun um that lived in wisconsin and he said hey kyle you're not 18 yet you're 17 you're a couple of months away so here you can use mine i'm going to buy this and this will you know this you can use this one um but it actually turns out that wisconsin law is kind of vague on this because some people read it and say what well, has to do with hunting and other people say well no it only has to do with short power rifles so the judge looked at the whole statute and said you know what i'm just going to throw this charge out because it doesn't really seem like it applies in this case yeah and I think one of the things the media kept saying is he had no reason to be there, which is irrelevant. But the fact is, he does. Completely irrelevant. Family. You you could say that in about any self defense case. Right, right. But he does have family members there. It's a it's a community who we care about. His his father lives in Kenosha. Um, he works in Kenosha as a lifeguard. Believe it or not, he did work as a lifeguard, and he was actually there earlier in the day cleaning graffiti off of the uh, the courthouse, which to me just was ridiculous because you've got these prosecutors, Binger. And D.A. Krauss, I call him Lunchbox. And if you've ever seen him, you know why. Um, so Lunchbox and Binger are in there and they're calling him an active shooter. And yeah. I think, look, to me, you can I can get I think it's ridiculous, but I can get how if you're a prosecutor, you're going to make an argument that, you know, maybe he shouldn't have taken those shots. But he's clearly not an active shooter. He's not right. running around firing indiscriminately like Joe Scarborough said, 60 rounds. First of all, he fired eight rounds in yeah. defense of his life right. that night. What he was going there, you know, was he was he cleaning the graffiti off as a cover, <laughs> a clever cover story so that he could go back later? And come on. It's, it's a joke. Right? Yeah. It's a complete joke. He obviously feels that this is his hometown. He feels like that's where his heart is his father's there his grandmother's there he works there as a lifeguard he feels some degree of ownership and community with this 
town. And he was there. He was clearly there trying to do the right thing. Right. If you're just looking at it from a common sense perspective. Now, uh, you know, whether he should have been there that night, et cetera, et cetera. What I always respond to those people is I say it's simple. You're right. He shouldn't have been there. That's actually true. You know who else shouldn't have been there? The mob of rioters. Exactly. Because the governor and the police should have taken care of that and they should all be in jail and they should be the ones on court right now. And none of this ever should happen. So, yes, you're right. He shouldn't have been there. None of it should have been there. One thing I have, I mean, I I served some time as a police officer and I was in fact a detective and, you know, spent a lot of time in cases and one thing that just rubbed me wrong all the way from the beginning and you know i'm a very conservative person but still it's this idea that that attorneys whether the defense attorneys or prosecutors base their record and their reputation and their careers on wins and losses in in a in in the decision of a court case as opposed to the win should be seeking out the truth like when you find truth that should be the win the wind shouldn't be putting an innocent person in jail or, yeah. or freeing an innocent person. The wind should always be true. Yeah. But this, we have this flawed criminal justice system that where the attorneys on both sides, defense and prosecutors, are always tallying up the wins, and they're gonna—I mean, they have to win at all costs in order to pro- progress in their careers, and they don't care what the truth is. Yeah, yeah, you know, that was always something to me that. Um, you know, when you're when you're growing up, you know, you watch all the TV shows and you think, oh, yeah, you know, these these are always the good guys and the prosecutors always putting away the bad guy. And that's and look, I'm, I, a lot of the time that is generally what happens. But you also have these cases where you have politics involved and you have the media involved and you get this huge attention and because the mayor's feeling the pressure, the city mm-hmm. DA's feeling the pressure. There's all this pressure to put charges. And so they end up doing it. And then. To your point, it goes into that kind of process where it's almost like the situation, you know, isn't even it's not even about people. It's just, okay. I've got to win this case. How do I win it? What do I got to say? What do I got to do? And it becomes almost like like a weird kind of game when you're not thinking about the fact that, hey, there's real people involved here. This is an 18 year old, 17 at the time, 18 year old now. Um, his life is literally on the line and you're just thinking about, oh, how do I get in a conviction rather than looking at this and say, look, you, you know, it took you and some of the details of the case, you know, there were 20 hours to fortify this one still image that where they th- say it's so grainy, but they say it's Kyle pointing his rifle at some of the rioters um, where the only way that would make sense is if he's holding it, you know, left-handed while every single other Mm. shot of Kyle that you see from the hours and hours of footage from that night he's got it on a single point sling and he's and he's clearly got he's shouldering it on his right shoulder so it's down those aren't ambidextrous you can't just switch that you know in a split second like they're trying to say but they're just throwing all this stuff on the jury to your point because they just want a conviction they're not think they don't care what the truth is I wanted to take a minute to let our audience know about the work that we do through an incredible veterans nonprofit called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Many of our nation's warriors struggle with the hardships of military service and reintegration back into civilian life. Often they leave broken homes in their aftermath and comprise one of the most at-risk groups for suicide, with over 20 veterans who take their lives every single day. Mighty Oaks tackles this critical issue with our faith-based peer-to-peer resiliency and recovery programs offered at no cost to our honored servicemen and women at beautiful ranches across the United States. Mighty Oaks has one of the highest success rates of any program available anywhere. Visit MightyOaksPrograms.org to learn more about how you can make a direct impact in the lives of our servicemen and women to help them find a new life purpose through hope in Christ. Again, that's MightyOaksPrograms.org. 
witnessing the transformation that these men and women go through is absolutely incredible. There are no words to describe seeing warriors restored to the lives they were created to live, changing their legacies for eternity. Your support is needed now more than ever and will ensure that our programs are here for our warriors who are in desperate need. Again, the website is mightyoaksprograms.org. Yeah. As, we, as we record right now, we're waiting on a... Con, on, um, what's the word? <laughs> we're waiting on a decision from the jury, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're waiting for the jury to come back. Um, I, I was listening to what you were saying. I was thinking about the prosecutor holding up that rifle and how ridiculous. He probably thinks you can move it from one shoulder to the next. So uh, the whole thing's a clown show. But what are, as we're waiting for a verdict to come out or whatever's going to happen, what are some of the key moments over the last uh, several days of this trial that um, people need to be aware of? It's, it's been the craziest thing. The prosecutor's done a horrible job. I'm not sure the defense has done an incredible job. Um, but what are some of the key moments in your mind as you've watched this unfold? Well, I think for me, one of the biggest key moments is when you had this guy, and I mentioned it before, how there was an individual who actually uh, raised a Glock at Kyle while running down the road at him. And he testified and he actually took the stand. Right. And this is a, he's a, he's a left-wing guy. You know, you might call him an Antifa type. He's a member of this thing called the People's Revolutionary Movement of Milwaukee. Um, actually lives further away from Kenosha than Kyle Rittenhouse funny, did, yeah. funny enough. Yeah. And he admits on the stand under cross-examination, they say, well, you kind of did point the gun at him, right? He said, well, the gun was out uh, and I may have had one in the chamber, and um well you know he actually says it right he says it i suppose it he may have thought i was pointing the gun at him but it was inadvertent <laughs> i was just pointing it in his direction ah. right and the thing is as uh, as andrew branca says that you know if if this were a hollywood movie that they were making of this that would be the point where the director would would you know turn the camera you'd have that they call it the spielberg moment where it would turn back to the crowd the audience in the courtroom and they'd all go they gasp right they go right. oh right you know oh my gosh he admitted it but right. but this is not a movie right this is not hollywood and so you don't have that situation there was another one of those uh, earlier where richie mcginnis the guy who, and if you're watching the drone footage or any of the footage, there's actually three people that are running it at, at the very beginning of this. There's Kyle Rittenhouse. He's running into, you know, he's running away from the mob and he ends up, you know, kind of making a wrong turn and he ends up in, I, I mentioned it was a car dealership. So he ends up kind of between a bunch of the parked cars and there isn't really like a clear, uh, a clear way out because they got the other ends blocked. So he's, he's cornered. Um, well, he's being chased by this one nut job, Rosenbaum. There's a third guy actually behind him. And his name is Richie McGinnis. He's an independent journalist for, or he's a journalist yeah. of the Daily Caller. Great, yeah. great guy. We've had him on our show a few times. Oh, yeah. Okay, past. great, yeah. great. Perfect. Yeah. yeah, no, Richie's Richie's awesome. And he and I have covered, um, we covered Chaz together. We've yeah. covered Antifa in, in D.C. together, a bunch of different things. And, you know, Richie, of course, when he goes up there on the sand, you know, he's saying to the prosecutor, Binger, he's like, well, the guy was clearly going for the gun. And, and then Binger's respond because he realizes that he's, you know, he can't have this kind of testimony out there because that's detrimental to your point. It's detrimental. It's, it's, there's his truth versus yeah, the right, truth, right? right? And so his truth is, well, now he's got, suddenly got to impeach the credibility of his own called witness. Hmm. So what did he say? He says, well, you couldn't have known he was going for the gun. You don't know what's in his mind the same way you don't know what's in my mind. And Richie just looks at him. He goes, well, he said, F you. And he, went for the gun so, <laughs> so it's pretty it's pretty clear 
you yeah. know, it seemed to me like he's going for the gun. But but again, and, and then another one, you had a this detective, big left left wing guy, uh, Benjamin Adaramian, who, by the way, is the nephew of the mayor of Kenosha. Mm. Funny how that works. Um, he's up there saying and they ask him, they say, well, clearly Kyle's being pursued by these guys. Right. He's clearly in pursuit. And he said, I wouldn't call it that. He's like, what do you mean you wouldn't call it that? He's yeah. running away and they're running after him. He said, I think they're just running along in the same path. Like, oh, they're running along <laughs> in the same path. What is right. it? They think he's Forrest Gump running across America. Yeah. Said, I'm going to join and, and run across America with you, kid. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's silly, right? It's yeah. silly. And so you've got to this point now where, and you, I remember hearing this phrase maybe 10 years ago is when it started, this idea of instead of the truth, there's going to be my truth, Correct. your truth, right. and lived experience. Yeah. And the minute that you stop believing in objective truth, objective reality, and start mm. believing that that could be subjective, I think that throws our whole system out of whack. Yeah, that's right. What's yeah. Yeah. true? Yeah. Yeah, what's true? What's what do you what do you think happens next? I mean, we're obviously we're uh, we're pending right now. We're pending the uh, the verdict. Uh, what do you think happens from here? Well, look, I, I, you know, as we sit here recording it, you know, this is it's it's day three. I mean, clearly you got a deadlock situation going on. Um, there's clearly people who um, are, you know, I don't know how steadfast any of these holdouts might be, whether for guilt or for acquittal. But what's interesting to me is that, you know, I mentioned before that they took that gun charge off. And it's interesting because that almost could have been a compromise situation if they had left that on where they could have said, look, you know, we think it's self-defense, mm. but maybe there's some people on that jury that want to hit him with something yeah. and say, yeah. well, we'll hit him with the gun charge. And then, the, you know, and then it goes to the judge and the judge, you know, gives him probation and has a fine, something like that. But you took that one off and now there's no out. So if you've got people that say are having trouble saying, well, we're going to acquit him of all the charges. Now you've got to look at something where these all carry pretty serious. I mean, reckless endangerment, that's 60 years, right? You know, yeah. you've got some very serious potential uh, penalties. Now, they don't know what the judge will do in terms of sentencing. This jury doesn't have uh, this isn't one of those states where the jury has a, a say in sentencing. Uh, like it is in certain states, but you know, I have to imagine that there's other guys in there. And if it, I just speaking from my personal opinion, that if it was me and you put me on that jury, I would say, I'm not signing guilty. I'm not putting that kid in a box for this. No way. I don't yeah. care how many days this is going to go. I don't care if we have to be here every day for the rest of my life. I'm never going to yeah. put my name on something that says this kid is guilty of murder because he clearly isn't. And so that might end up with a situation where you get a hung jury. When you uh, think about the potential outcomes, not to Kyle, obviously there are some very real outcomes in his life, uh, regardless of how the jury goes. But when you think more broadly, what are the outcomes? I think of the Second Amendment. I think of how yeah. mobs and so forth are handled and treated, how persecution or persecution. <laughs> I can't even talk today. I, this is, I'm so overwhelmed. How well, prosecution, it is persecution. That's a persecution, yeah. How, how prosecution persecutes folks going forward. Um, what are some of the outcomes you see, regardless of whether it's a, you know, well, a so guilty or not guilty? This right? is this, the kind of way I see it is I look at the power dynamics of it. And of course, I'm in DC, so that's what we're always looking at, sort of the, you know, the who has power, who has influence, how is it wielded in our country, you know, and as an intelligence officer, that's what you're always looking at. You're looking at the centers of gravity. You're looking yeah. at where are your power nodes. You're looking at all that stuff. And so when it really comes down to it is, does the media 
have now the power in our country to take a situation that we can all see on live TV, right? Night after night, you can go watch this footage and anyone can go to YouTube or Rumble if YouTube won't let you look at it anymore, you know, and watch this. But the media will tell you, oh, no, 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 that's not what happened. This is what happened. And so does that level of influence then be enough to be able to actually sway our entire justice system? You know, there was something that, you know, uh, and, and we had this thing with the, the NBC reporter was, I guess, or a freelancer was chasing down the jury van. And they said, oh, I just wanted to try to contact them to see if we could talk afterwards. Come on. <laughs> right. Come on. Right. Yeah, we, we know what that does. You right. and, and even if you didn't know what that does, you have to understand what that does. That says you will be made public afterwards. Your name, your job, right. your kids, right. your family, that's all going to go public after this. And so if you do that while you're I mean, and, and that being said, they probably know this anyway. They know this because uh, the George Floyd um the Derek Chauvin jurors, many of them went, came public afterwards, and turns out that a lot of them were, were big time activists that had gone on the, the jury, even though they clearly had you know, sure. a pretty strong bias. Sure. And so you have to wonder what the question is has become since we're now living in this hugely politicized society. You know, and you mentioned the defense team on there. What, one of the things that I would have done differently is I would have had, I would have had Kyle doing more media. I would have had him out being out there, you know, kind of telling his story and you know you got to be careful with that obviously but i really just think that that's the world we live in now yeah well we'll uh, look forward to seeing what's going to happen hopefully in the next couple of days we will have a decision uh, jack where can people follow you and you're reporting on this and so many other things you're involved in quite a quite a bit yeah best way to follow me so i got the podcast up human events daily we run it through the turning point network awesome. uh, you can also follow me on twitter getter jack posobic p-o-s-o-b-i-e-c and if you want to see us all in person I'm going to be speaking with Tucker Carlson, Candace Owens, Kaylee McEnany, Greg Gudfeld, and everybody else uh, down at the Turning Point America Fest in Phoenix. That's December 8th, 18th to the 21st. So if you want to go to Phoenix, you definitely want to go there in December. Yeah. That is the best time of year to that go. That is the best time to go. Jack, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Uh, I know it's been hard to kind of coordinate everything, but appreciate your time. No, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Appreciate Jack's perspective, and I would encourage you. There are a lot of folks who will be reporting on this. Uh, follow Jack's social media. He outlined where all of those things can be found. Follow his social media. You will get firsthand accounts as he is reporting on this, and uh, I, that will be a, a great benefit to you. Again, you may have heard the verdict before you hear this episode, but I appreciate the background. I appreciate him setting the stage for uh, really how this even ended up in court and some of the key moments over the last several days. Uh, This is the point where I would do my best right now to give you a situation report. Here are the big takeaways. Today's situation report, really simple. Stay tuned. Uh, This is unfolding. Things are happening uh, moment by moment, and I would encourage you to stay tuned. We'll see what happens, and we will talk about the conclusion very, very soon. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Really appreciate it. We'll talk to you next time. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.